This is the Business Storytelling Show with Christoph Trapp. Name a top 20 storytelling podcast and a top 5% podcast globally. Christoph chats with thought leaders and experts to share tips and tricks that can help you tell your company's stories better to drive business results. Available wherever you listen to podcasts, live streamed on major social media channels, and part of the DB&A television network, available on most U.S. television sets and streaming on Roku and Amazon Fire. Here's Christoph with today's episode. Let's go. That's right. Let's go, business storytellers. How's everyone doing? Thanks for joining me another episode here. We want to talk about amplification, and this is an interesting topic for me, and here's the reason why. Because I grew up in the journalism world, and you know what we had to do when it comes to um, uh, amplifying or distributing any content? Nothing. That's That wasn't part of our job because everything was automatically distributed through the newspaper, right? So when I made the move over into content marketing, maybe, I don't know, a decade or so-ish ago, we had to think about that. And I think it's great and it doesn't get distributed very well. Guess what happens? Nothing. Nobody reads it. Don't we want our stuff to be read? So today's guest uh, ran across them actually in the content marketing world Slack channel. So content marketing world is back in action in Cleveland this year. I'm speaking um, about um, live streaming and podcasting. Surprise, surprise. Join me there if you like to. There's also a virtual version available. I don't know if my session is available in the virtual um, version or not. James Tennant, he's the founder of Converge, um, based in the United Kingdom, um, and he helps B2B businesses amplify and distribute their content. Let's get him on the show here. James, thanks for joining us today. Really appreciate it. Yeah, no worries. Thank you very much for having me. Awesome. So tell us about uh, why, why do you focus on B2B amplification? What, how did that happen? Um, because I guess a few years ago, I was doing mainly copywriting and content marketing for businesses. I had a handful of clients, um, and the, the bigger issue that I found them having was not necessarily in the creation of content, but what to do afterwards, how to get people to see it, engage with it, uh, and get as much return on their investment as possible from their content. So I thought there has to be something that can be done to help businesses, especially those maybe smaller businesses with smaller marketing teams who struggle to find the time and resource within their company to to do the amount of amplification required to get their content in front of the right people consistently. Um, and that's where Converge came from. Um, and the reason for B2B, purely it's the, the industries that I worked for, um, the businesses I've always seemed to work for are all in B2B. Um, and I just thought, you know, stick to the industry, you know. Stick to stick to the industry, you know, that makes sense to me. And B2B is certainly an interesting beast because, you know, I mean, it's fewer buyers and many, many buying committees. So you have to convince yeah. a lot of different people and you certainly have to get your content in front of in front of more people. So at a very basic level, tell us what is B2B content amplification? How do you define that? What does it mean? Um. Content amplification for B2B or B2C um, is the idea of using your own channels and external channels to promote and amplify and distribute 
your content to earn a better return on investment, to get more people aware of the content and through that, more people aware of your brand um, and hopefully more people to become customers further down the line. Uh, The issue many companies have, as I say, when they create content is that once it's done, they put it on their blog, they might tweet about it once or twice and, you know, they wonder why they don't see much traffic go into that page or they don't get many readers to their blogs or viewers of their YouTube channel. It's because they're not amplifying their content. They're not promoting it enough. Yeah. And certainly I think that's, I think, I don't know why that happens. Maybe you got some theories, but I think part of it is because, you know, some companies, they outsource their writing, right? So now we're done. Now we think of everything as a campaign, the, this campaign is done. We're done with it. Um, and so, you know, we're not using it anymore. But what I'd like to do is I just keep going back and pull back to content, you know, all the time. I update it. I get it back in front of the sales team. I get it back in front of the social team. I start a new email cadence, whatever it might be. So I'm, you know, constantly repurposing. I mean, think about the show today, right? We're live on all these channels. Then we put it on TV. Then we put it on the podcast channels. Then I might write about it. If I don't have anything, I might do something else. And what I just realized, James, part of what I just mentioned, that's all the creation too, right? So it's super easy yeah. just to focus on one thing or the other. How do we get out of that rut? I think the biggest thing is to be aware of how important the content amplification part is of the whole content creation process and actually factor that in when you're working out how to create content and what you're actually going to produce. If you know <clears> it's part of the job at the start, then it's more likely to be remain part of the job towards the end. You've just hit on exactly what one of the big problems is, um, hiring external writers who don't work in your business full time. You're just hiring them to do the writing. Then when it comes to the amplification part and there's no one in your business to do that, then you're missing out, um, you know, because it's such a hugely important part of the process. I'll, I'll keep reiterating it. If people aren't seeing and engaging with your content, the return on investment you're going to get from it is extremely low. Um, so that's a big part of it. If you have, if you are outsourcing your writing, maybe try and find someone who can not only help you with the writing of the content, but actually the promotion of that content as well. Or just make sure that whoever's in charge of maybe marketing in your business, um, whether that's yourself, if you're a single owner, sort of founder of a business, or you've got a larger team and someone's responsibilities are marketing, try and bring in content amplification as part of that role and make sure you set aside some time. It's difficult because it's time consuming, um, but it, it really needs to be done to see any real return on investment from your content marketing, especially in today's climate when there's a million and one pieces of content posted every second. Every second. I mean, it's just it's getting com- you know more competitive as we speak. But of course, there's a lot of companies that really just post crap, you know, and yeah. and I mean that is still content really annoying to people. I don't know if you heard that acronym before. Now, when we talk about um, amplification, I mean SEO is also part of getting it in front of people, right? I mean, people yep. find my content. Is that what we're talking about, or 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 not at all? And 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 what different channels uh, would you recommend? So it's it's part of it for sure. I mean, having a, a properly optimized piece of content is going to help in the long run. Um, all the organic traffic you can generate is is sort of the icing on the cake, isn't it? It's the best stuff you can get. But most people struggle to generate a lot of organic traffic. And that's because of competition. It's because of not optimizing articles properly. It's because of not promoting the article properly. So 
the channels it's it's one channel but the other channels would be um you know using social media uh whichever social media channels your audience are is active on not just the ones your company's active on at the minute so a bit of research in that regard and possibly you know thinking about using paid amplification channels as well there's lots of free options out there but unless you're willing to do tons and tons of work to try and get seen on those channels it's very unlikely that you're going to be seen organically more and more the social media platforms especially are restricting the amount of reach organic reach in the hopes that businesses will become paid customers of those channels um, it's not necessarily something we can kind of get annoyed about because they're the ones who own the channel but that is the truth so when it comes to picking the channels that you're going to use to promote it may be worth considering how you might be able to pay to boost the amplification of your content so maybe factor that into the overall campaign budget when you come to create content don't just think of it as how much have we paid to create that piece think of the amplification as part of that and there's there's any number of channels you can use you know pay-per-click advertising social media advertising um and you can you know there are several different ways you can do that you can boost a post you can do the advertising options through it there's any number of ways to do it and it really really depend on your business your content and your audience which ones actually work best for your business yeah and I, I it's always interesting to me i know everybody wants to save money i get it i mean i'm you know i i pinch the pennies too some days here when family activities right i mean stuff costs money i mean you know what's free anymore what um you know what can people uh i mean expect if they don't put any um any investment in what we're trying to do so just keep that in mind plus i think the the whole um you know paying for promotion on social media it's I mean, it's a sliver of what companies used to pay, right? In mm. the old world, when you talk about print advertising or mm. billboards or whatever it might be. I mean, I remember uh, when I actually ran billboard campaigns for um, a United Way, um, it was about like a thousand billboard. I mean, you can actually get a lot of promotion done with a thousand dollars on social media. I mean, that's so just, just something to keep in mind as people are thinking about that too. How about, um, how is B2B content amplification unique? I know I hinted at the whole, you got the buyer committee, you got all these different things. Um, how is it different? How is it unique? I think it's different in, in, a, in the same way that the sales process is different between B2B and B2C and that often the cycle is a lot longer in B2B than it is in B2C, um, you know, when you're producing content in B2C, and I don't necessarily want to get down to it, I know exactly how that works. I, I don't work in B2C, but I imagine there's a lot, sh you know, the, the content is geared towards generating, um, you know, brand loyalty in the same way B2B is. There's a lot of crossover, but then I imagine you want to see the sale relatively quickly as well, because it's a much shorter cycle in B2C. With B2B, it's it's much long it's a much longer process you know even if you put out the best piece of content that someone finds super useful the chances of them being in the buying mode at that time or in their buying cycle at that time is is quite slim so even more so than b to c i would say the idea with b2b content amplification is 
you need to be constantly out there. You need to be constantly in front of your target market so that when they are in that buying cycle, they have your business front of mind or, or you know, better yet, you're the only business they think of when they're wanting to buy that particular product or, or that particular service. So as a longer term thing, um, so if I was working in BC, in the same way I would consider the sales cycle to be a longer process. Yeah, it's just, it's interesting. We, we lost you there a little bit, but that's the world we're in today uh, with the internet. Um, I, think, I think people don't um, take too much offense to that. Um, so staying in front of people all the time, how does that, how does that work though? when you have companies who are not who are not running on that model right i mean you you have a campaign let's do this content campaign now we're done now let's move on to something else let's okay now we're done you know um i mean is that part of the reason why i get these emails all the time salespeople telling me asking me christoph i hope you're doing well i'm to the point guys where i'm ready to reply things are not going well please call me i need some a shoulder to cry on everybody wants to know how i'm doing I mean, that's one way to stay in front of me, but that's not what we're talking about, right? We're talking about being a little bit more relevant than that, or or what do you what's what's your take on that? Yeah. It's about making sure that when you get in touch with people, however you do that, whether that's via email, social, paid advertising, whatever it is, that you're offering value. It's not just a checking in, hey, are you ready to buy my product? Um you know, it's taking you your that, that goes back to your content strategy in the beginning. You know, the best content strategies are where businesses are creating valuable, relevant content for their target audience and then supplying it to their target audience. And the amplification part of that is the, is the supply. It's how do you get that in front of them without bothering them, without using the same, hey, how are you today? I hope it's going well. You know, you're getting in front of them in the places they hang out, whatever places they may be. And you're providing them with genuine value with your content because then people appreciate you getting in touch. They, they don't dislike it when you send them an email with another report that's, you know, super relevant. So, yeah, you've got to be careful with that. I mean, the, the cold outreach approach, the email approach is a, is a tricky one. You've got to get that right. But um, the key thing is, whenever you're getting in touch with someone, whenever you're promoting your content to them, it's in, it's, it's getting the right stuff in front of the right people. And that's part of the process. You have to figure that out as well. It's not just, okay, we have a piece of content now let's advertise it here and advertise it there and push it on email. It's where do the people who I think will find this valuable hangout and how do I get it in front of them in the best way possible? Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it's it's interesting you mentioned um, cold outreach. I don't necessarily mind cold outreach when it's relevant, right? So if somebody sends me yeah. something and I find it interesting, I mean, I, I have most of the time I don't know what email lists I'm on, anyways, <laughs> which is I know is what they're banking on to an extent, um, you know. Yeah. But if as long as it's relevant, I'm fine. If it's just like checking in, I'm like I don't even know who you are. Um, why are you checking in with me? My wife doesn't check in as much with me during the day, you know, so let's come on. 
Um, so let's talk about what is working in B2B. In B2B, it is it is interesting to me because there's always there seems to be a debate that that kind of ebbs and flows a little bit. But it's like, oh, B2B is so different from B2C and blah, blah, blah. And I get it. It is different, right? Because if I need to buy, I mean, I got a bunch of hats over here, James. I got so many hats. I do not need any more hats. But I get retargeted. I read stuff about hats and I buy new hats. But it's just me, right? Like, as long as they reach me enough, I will probably buy another hat one of these days, <laughs> you know, maybe not today. Um, but B2B, you got to convince a lot of people. Um, so how... How does that work? What what is working in B two B and and uh, the you know what's what's not working? Again, that probably depends on the industry you're in and what your target audience likes to read. But in general, uh, what we're finding is that original research is is working particularly well. I think anytime you can provide someone with information, they they don't they haven't seen before presented in a certain way they're going to appreciate getting that um you know it's fantastic to show that not only have you put the effort in to produce a really good piece of content um it's relevant to that audience and it shows you as a trusted brand and trusted authority in your industry so that's i think that's always time well spent is producing original research and you know, you, sp you said before it was the uh, content amplification report that, that we produced that led to this conversation. Um, so that that works. When it comes to the sales side of things, it's, it's tricky because you need to be getting in front of people with valuable content. That's the key thing. If you can do that and you can keep doing that, over time you build loyalty in your brand with someone perhaps you've never even spoken to before. They may constantly visit your blog or they may see, read your threads on Twitter or however it is you're promoting your content. That builds brand loyalty over time, builds trust in the brand as well. So when that person's in the buying mode, it's your business they're thinking of. But cultivating that trust and that, that authority in your brand can only be done over time with high quality content. So it's always got to be that that you're thinking about. How, what sort of content are we producing? Is it valuable to our audience? If it's, if it's a yes to that and you're amplifying it correctly and it's getting in front of the right people, then over the long term, over time, you will generate sales from the back of that far more than you would if you just sent an email to someone saying, hey, how's it going? We've got this product. We think you might like it. Do you want to give it a try? We think you might like it. Let's get back a couple different things I want to get back to in a minute here. High quality content, um, your report, which is which is actually what prompted our conversation. But before I say that, before I ask you about that, I want to mention VoxPopMe.com. I know you mentioned uh, uh, research. So VoxPopMe.com, that's actually my day job right there, director of content strategy, uh, a SaaS platform where you can ask in different areas of the, the country or countries actually to give you their feedback and their opinions. So it's a synchronous um over to know the word asynchronous now. It's on their own time. You don't have to do it. So check that out, voxpopme.com, loved by some of the biggest brands out there. So high quality content, that was actually one on my list to ask you because you mentioned 
Um, you know, you have to get in front of people. But what if people, what if we don't start with high quality content? And let's not even, we could even go down the rabbit hole of um, what's high quality content, right? Because 10 years, 15 years ago, it was if my boss liked my content, I was golden. And today they start to like it to an extent. But if the content didn't even like performs, nobody cares, right? So it's very different. How What's high quality content? How do companies even know that they have it or don't have it? I think one of the best ways to figure that out is to ask your audience, get in touch with people that are regular visitors or subscribers, uh, visitors to your blog or subscribers people that are uh, clients of yours and ask them what they would find valuable and is the stuff you're producing already valuable? You very quickly get an idea of whether or not people are enjoying or even reading or engaging with the content that you are sending out. So that's a really good place to start is to ask your target audience. The second thing would be, are you providing them? Are you providing your target audience with value? Are you answering a question that they are constantly asking? Another good way would obviously be to run a survey to find out those questions or find out the problems that people are having in your industry. But I've always found the most valuable stuff informs uh, the audience and and entertains as well. But I think in B2B, it's more often the inform over the entertain. Not seems to be. So if you're providing answers to questions and you know the content is resonating with your audience, then I would consider that to be high quality content, whatever form that may take. I think it's far more important to be satisfying your audience than it is your stakeholders so if that is an issue it's it's about presenting that in a way that your stakeholders can maybe understand that it's you're not talking to your peers more often than not you're talking to your customers you're talking to your target audience and it has the content has to be relevant and it has to resonate with them first then you know you're producing quality content but on that note as well showing the I guess the power of amplification is that the best written piece of content will not perform as well as a more averagely written piece of content that's better promoted. You know, the best promoted content wins. I think it was Andy Crestadina that I got that quote from, and that is so true. The content that's promoted best will outperform <clears throat> the more objectively higher quality content. And, you know, I, I've used that quote before as well from Andy and people always, you know, they, they try to jump at me on the on the stage when we used to be on stages because, oh, my goodness, average content. Who is going after average content? Nobody is going after average content. But if you're not going to promote it anyways, who cares how good it is? Now, in your report, which, of course, is available on Converge.today, uh, which is right there at the bottom of the screen as well, um, you actually mentioned um, – 32%, just 32%, one third had a budget for content amplification. And the ones that did have 100% social media advertising and 53% search engine advertising. So why is there, like, that's like, that seems really low to me. Why is that? Is it because we're just focusing on demand gen only on paid channels or, or what's going on? It's difficult to tell. I think that comes. There's another statistic on there that might explain it. Um, I think if I uh, get it right, it was um, 
90 is it 90% no 85% of people don't think they're spending enough time on content amplification and the main reason for that was lack of time due to due to other tasks it was 80% of the 85% said they couldn't do because they had other tasks to do um so perhaps when you're short on time and you know you need you either don't have the budget because you're onto the next piece of content and there's no budget for content amplification. Just we've got more stuff to write. I've got more jobs to do. I can't amplify this thing. Or those that do go for the quickest option, which is nearly always paid social media or search engine advertising. Those are the two quickest things you can get set up because everyone knows they exist and they're the fastest things you can get in there and do it very, very quickly. Um, So I would say that's probably the reason why. Uh, most of them aren't doing anything and then the ones that are are probably going to the more obvious options whether or not they're getting a lot of success from that is a is a separate thing entirely <laughs> that is true that's a whole different question but one one yeah. step at a time so the one of the key findings the number one reason b2b content marketer survey don't amplify their content enough is due to a lack of time guys let's be real there is never enough time for anything. And there, you know, maybe you have a tip in a second here for, for 30 seconds or so. But my top tip is for content marketers, especially the fewer meetings you have to go to, the less time, the more time you can spend on the content creation, on the content amplification, and all those other things. I think for content marketers, an overabundance of meetings. It's just a time suck and it takes so much longer to get back into things. That would be my number one tip. How about yours, James? I think if you start to factor in content amplification at the start of the content creation process, you will have time. The idea of not having time, I guess, makes it sound like the content amplification is an afterthought and, oh, I don't have any time left because I've got all these other tasks. But if it's part of the process to begin with, it's part of the time that you're already using to do things. So it's already part of the, uh, I guess, the schedule, the list of things to do. The idea that there's not enough time, to me, makes me think that it's it's always an afterthought. Like, oh, we forgot to amplify it. Where can I find 20 minutes to do that this week? Then maybe for a month I won't do it again. And then I'll have two hours one day to do it. And... In, in, that ad hoc approach just just doesn't work so factor it in as part of every single piece of content you create and then you'll soon find you have the time because it's just part of the process you just have to make it part of the week of, of the process absolutely it makes so much sense check out the report converge.today james thanks for joining us really appreciate you sharing your insights and and hopefully people will take it to heart and actually you know work on everything in tandem just add a trello card seriously you know don't do anything until you think about i mean that's i know i oversimplify things here really appreciate you making the time yeah no thank you very much christoph pleasure that's a wrap thanks for tuning in please rate and review our show on your favorite podcast channels and don't forget to share this episode with your networks we appreciate you Until next time, let the best stories win. Hello. Hi. Are you still there? I have a special offer for you. Thanks for listening all the way to the end. 
my going live book is now available on amazon.com and if you're in the united states i'm happy to send you a signed copy which you can order at paypal.me forward slash c t r a p p e c t r a p p e forward slash 12 thanks for your interest if you're not in the united states i can't send you a signed copy but of course you can order on amazon.com